Hi, welcome to Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. My name is Rene from Valorum Reply, and today we're going to talk about sovereign cloud com quantum computing. And for this, I'm honored to have a special expert guest today, Florian Neukart. Hi, Florian, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Um, great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, first of all, Florian, can you tell us a little bit about your background and you know what you're working on and that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So um, starting with my academic background, that's computer science and physics, but I've been in industry for, uh, well, it's almost decades now, so for almost 20 years. And uh, in industry, I've always been concerned with uh, making the bridge or building the bridge between fundamental research and application. So how do I get um, research results into products and how can we make products that people are excited about, that they can use, that are scalable, that are secure, everything that comes along with uh, whatever a good product has. One of the things I'm uh, very excited about, of course, is quantum computing. And um, so that's also my academic background, and that's where I still work at the University of Leiden in, in quantum computing. And at TerraQuantum, where I oversee all product development, TerraQuantum is a quantum technology company, and amongst others, we work on quantum computing. Awesome. Well, this is great. And like you're saying, it's, I think, really fantastic and very unique, you know, having this academic background and bridging it and bringing this with the business together. It's an important part because, you know, if it just lives in the lab, like we need it as products, so we got to bridge it and build the bridge kind of as well. Absolutely. Awesome. So let's dive into today's topic. Um, I saw that you're also working on a quantum as a service solution or a QAAS, as we say. Um, for mm -hmm. the German Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Action, BMBK, for my German friends. And uh, you're going to construct a platform for quantum computing applications for the German industry. Um, so can you tell us what it is and why there's actually need for this for the industry there? Yeah, absolutely. So let's start maybe with quantum computing. So as you know, quantum computing is a, not only a very interesting technology, but it will change many of the things that we do today or influence at least many of the things that we do today. And so it will also um, modernize or contribute to modernizing most uh, industries. So be that medicine, so how we develop drugs, uh, so pharmacology. So that's one, one of the areas that will strongly benefit from it. All material science, so how, for example, we develop new batteries or, or simulate battery chemistry. That's something we can do with quantum computers all machine learning, all artificial intelligence. And so at the moment, we're still trying to find out how we can better train um, artificial intelligence models and how they can, or how we can enable them to learn better from data. And that's also where quantum computers will strongly support. And as you know, machine learning or artificial intelligence in the broader sense is used throughout the industry. So there is no limitation in terms of uh, scope. Um, and optimization, it's also one of the fields that will strongly benefit from quantum computing. So examples are traffic flow optimization, logistics problems, parts distribution and production, and there are many more. And um, so this is why we want to encourage the use of this new technology. Um, but in order to use it, it must be accessible and available. And that's what the aim of this project is. So the German Quantum Club will provide uh, a hybrid quantum cloud, so meaning the best of high-performance computing that we know, uh, plus quantum computing to industry. So an industry partners can uh, then experiment and try out use cases, bring in their use cases. So it's also about <clears throat> exploring where this technology can be best applied. So very often, 
as an industry player, you might think quantum computing, that's way too advanced for me. It's not something I want to use in my everyday life, but it is not correct in our point of view. So there are so many, many areas and so many use cases that will strongly benefit from quantum computing. Uh, but again, that's, uh, that's why we uh, want to offer this or bring this uh, technology through the German quantum cloud to industry and allow them to not only play around, but really think about where can I use it? How can I best deploy my applications? Yeah, that sounds great. And like you're saying, um, access to, to quantum technology is quite limited in the sense of that if you want to use a true quantum computer, although they are still in its infancy, they're super expensive, right? So, and like yeah. if you want to do, if you want to do a research project in your company, you might just not want to invest all of this. But if you offer this as a quantum as a service, surely that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely agree. So it really depends on uh, what technology you look at. But all in all, none of uh, quantum computing, if you were to buy it on premise, is cheap. So that's why availability through cloud systems absolutely makes sense. And what's more, um, quantum computing, uh, so specifically when we look at native quantum processors, they are very fast. So depending on what problem you solve, it's not that you would take hours or even days to run a problem and get a solution. They're really fast. So that's why if you provide it through a cloud, even if you have a limited number of systems available only, you can serve a multitude of customers, a multitude, um, and solve a multitude of problems. So it's not really that everyone needs a dedicated system in their data center locally. Uh, cloud access, therefore, definitely makes sense. And also, when you think about combining it with classical high-performance computing, um, which lives in the cloud these days, so it also makes sense um, to, to uh, bring quantum computing to the cloud. And uh, the combination of these two worlds, so not only making it available in a cloud so that we have both available, but really combining it and integrating these two, that is where the future is. It's not only a bridge technology. When we look at today's uh, quantum chips, they are small, they are error prone. So it's really um, systems that require further development, further research sometimes. But if you combine it with high performance computing, that's not the case. You can solve problems at full scale and that's what industry needs. So industry, of course, is always keen on experimenting too. But in the end, what counts is, can you bring it into production? What's the cost of integration? And does it save me any money or does it make me more efficient? If we can do that, which we aim to do with the German quantum cloud, then I think value is given. Makes a lot of sense and fully agreed. Um, let's come back to the title of the episode, which is Sovereign Cloud Quantum Computing. Now I got it right. Um, and you have been you have been living in the U.S. for many years, but you're also very well connected to European, um, not just the quantum computing market, but of course quantum computing as well. And so I think you have a good overview actually about uh, what's going on on both continents, if you will. Um, what is the main difference you're seeing between Europe and the United States when it comes to the quantum computing business, funding, and also why is sovereign computing important in that context? Yeah. So maybe I'll start with funding. So one of the differences that I see is, I mean, that's not limited to quantum computing. It's to high technology investments in general. So one of the differences I see is um, the amount of money that's spent um, by VCs, by even individuals, high net worth individuals on a specific technology that really want to come a technology to fruition. 
So that's different, I feel, in the U.S., but Europe is catching up. So it's not that we can uh, uh, really strongly distinguish between U.S. has all the funding and Europe has none of it. Europe is catching up. There's more and more funding going into quantum computing, going into other um, important technologies. But that's still uh, one of the distinguishing factors. I think there's easier access to money in the United States. And that comes partly from uh, the willingness to risk money. So so as a European, I'm I'm, uh, from Austria. So I think sometimes we tend to be more risk averse and really want to be 100% sure that an investment will pay off, which is something when you look at the Silicon Valley in general, it's not something that is true here. People really risk their money uh, knowing that things could go wrong. And uh, what's more, it's not uh, the end of the world if things go wrong. Yes, of course, as an investor, you never want to lose money. But if you lose money, then um, sometimes that happens. But you still go on and try the next thing, and even in the same area, same technology. So it's not the end of the world. So that's one of the big differences I see. I think in terms of uh, sovereignty, every country, uh, no matter if it's quantum computing or any other advanced technology, needs to have uh, access to that technology because otherwise it will create an imbalance in the world. And that's not something that any of the uh, companies and any of the governments really would want. So therefore, I think investments um, need to happen locally as well. Our company, for example, Terra Quantum and uh, subsidiary QMR, they're European headquartered. They're purely European funded. So they're... Um, it will always be anchored in Europe and are less European quantum technology companies. So I really think um, investments like that, um, also into other technologies such as AI, um, they they pay off. They pay off for the local industry and they pay off for the local governments. Um, and in the end, as I said, I think in my point of view, it's also about um, a distribution of power, so to say, uh, because otherwise we would see a strong imbalance in the world. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. And um, yeah, I'm, I also see the same thing as like that Europe is actually catching quite up when it comes to quantum investments. I mean, we the first question, right? It's just one signal as well, right? That Germany, for example, is one country that is investing for the industry into a quantum as a service solution, but also the European Commission does a bunch of funding and, and also a lot of interesting research facilities, of course, right? All over Europe and um, yeah. I think we we need to use the strengths of uh, you know the European mindset, if you will, to also you know come together and work on, on a lot of these problems. Um, absolutely, and also if I may add to that, I mean the research that happens in Europe, it's absolutely fantastic. It's uh it's not only competitive, I would say sometimes best in the world, and specifically when you look at quantum computing or generally quantum physics and quantum technologies. So uh, look at the, the recent Nobel Prize that was, of course, shared between US, France and uh, uh, Austria. But so Europe has great research going on. And uh, I think sometimes the only thing we're, uh, we're a little behind is the transition from research into industry, into products, into the commercial level market. Yep, yep. agreed. Um, so that, this always needs to be accelerated a little bit. Um, all right, let's broaden the topic a bit and talk about use cases, timeline, and general health of the quantum ecosystem. Uh, why are you seeing the biggest impact today with quantum computing and what is going to happen in the next couple of years in terms of use cases and the, the general ecosystem, in your opinion? 
yeah, there's so much. So I would say uh, right now, um, quantum computing already has a strong impact. It's because it's it's still a technology uh, that will mature further, but it's something that we can use today in a hybrid way. So not uh, limited to quantum quantum chips only, but in a hybrid way to efficiently solve problems. So that's happening already. And that's very interesting. So when you look at uh, the landscape, uh, and also you talk to industry, then people would uh, very often think it's still a technology that can only be used for proof of concepts, that can maybe sometimes be used for creating intellectual property. So you develop some small-scale algorithm that, for example, simulates uh, a small molecule, but then you know uh, over time in the future, uh, more powerful systems will be able to simulate industry-relevant molecules with that very same algorithm. But when you look at it differently and say quantum computing is an evolution of high-performance computing, and uh, you just take everything you have already and you combine that efficiently, um, then it's definitely happening today. So of course, it's more than bringing these two together. It's uh, a lot of work that needs to go into operating systems, one of which uh, we develop, by the way, but operating systems in general are important. So when you look at um, how a business software developer uses their computers today to develop software, they rarely have to worry about how to address memory or how to address segments on a chip because the operating system does that for them. The libraries on top, the programming language, that does that for them. And that's where we want to go with quantum computing. And that's where we um, all have to invest more. But in terms of use cases, uh, I would say everything optimization today already is high potential. Not necessarily we um, can implement the supremacy use case, the industrial supremacy use case, where you think you do something with a hybrid system or a quantum computer that a classical, purely classical system can never solve. But still, when we look at uh, distributing parts, traffic optimization, logistics, today already with a hybrid approach can outperform uh, best in class or even sorry, best in business or even best in class algorithms. So that's uh, something we can do already. Second, I would say machine learning. So every uh, time you think about um, machine learning, you have two things. So one is how accurately does my system learn from data? And the second thing is uh, how long does it take to um, really train? So and that's uh, two of the big hurdles. So the second one, uh, not so much, I'd say, but still. So if I'm faster, say I'm talking about self-driving vehicles and you have environment perception happening and training these algorithms, it can take maybe a week, maybe two weeks if you do it from scratch, even with hundreds of thousands of cores. Uh, what if I can do that in a day instead or maybe in an hour? That would drastically improve my innovation cycles. I can redeploy these algorithms a lot faster and be faster than my competitors. And the second thing, of course, and most importantly, is accuracy. So if I train... Um, a machine learning approach, no matter what the problem is, um, in a hybrid way, can I outperform um, a classical system? Can I be better? Uh, can I obtain more accuracy while still keeping generality? So that's always a, a thing in machine learning. You want to be able, you want the algorithm to be able to identify as many cases as possible, even edge cases, but also be very accurate in everything that it does. And um, if I can do that better with a quantum computer, which we so in a hybrid way, which we uh, can do already today, then it makes sense. So for all of these use cases, I think it's it's already happening. But more in the future, 
um, when I think about medicine um, or pharmaceuticals, where you want to develop new drugs and, for example, simulate quantum mechanically how um, a protein is affected by a drug, then, I mean, uh, we can go completely crazy here and think about personalized medicines or develop medicine really specifically to Florian, for example, to what I have. So even if I share the same uh, characteristics of a disease with another person, our treatment may be completely different because our bodies are different. They're not identical. That's not how we treat today. Um, so and I think these use cases, um, plus all the other material science uh, or simulation use cases, they will um, really do a lot of good for, for the people. So that's why I'm very, very excited already today about it. Yeah. yeah. And again, I, I cannot agree more um, because like all the, all the things you mentioned, we're also seeing, and especially you know, quantum and smart optimization is already providing quite some some good um, benchmarks already. And uh, also QML, like quantum machine learning. Um, I had a guest in the previous episodes also talking about some, some QML use cases. And it's fascinating how you, even with these small quantum computers we have today, you can build these hybrid neural networks where one of the later layers basically is represented with a quantum gates and so on. And you can represent multiple states at the same time. And that's just yes. perfect and much closer to the real deal than our digital information, right? Yeah, it is. You should have told me before that you're deep in the field already. Um, but that's yeah, exactly what it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. So we we achieve higher representational power uh, by uh, integrating a quantum circuit in um, purely classical machine learning models, such as neural networks. And that is where, where the excitement begins, because that means I can use less computational resources, but also at the same time be more accurate and ideally also faster. And it's it's very demanding, uh, not demanding, but it's it's very in time to have this available because, um, like you're saying, right? It's it, like these models are getting bigger and bigger. Like GPT three, what costed like ten million dollars or so to train it, and they just announced GPT four, which is magnitudes even bigger and has even more training data built in, and it will cost just a few more factors more to train. And if we can do this more efficient and faster with with QML, well. This is exciting also from the sustainability perspective, of course, right? I think so, so too, yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, I'm sure we could talk <laughs> for many more hours, but I'm, I've also fully agreeing, like this technology will help us to overcome and to solve humanity's toughest problems that we can, of course, solve with technology, right? Not everything we can solve with technology yeah. as humans are humans, but like also climate modeling, you know, all, all that kind of like super complex high performance demanding um, stuff, which is unsolvable with today's like, you know, silicon based computing. It has this potential and also drug, like you said, drug discovery, protein folding, all of that yeah. stuff, like so much potential. Personalized. Absolutely. Agree, yeah. Personalized medicine. Uh, that's great, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very exciting. Yeah. Yes. And um, I always, I always think about the good that technology can do. So of course, there will always be malicious actors using it for, for the bad stuff. But uh, if you think about the good that the technology can bring, if applied the correct way, that's tremendous. Yep. I think so. I think so too. An exciting time we live in. And like I said, we could talk for many more hours, but let's let's keep it here. Let's keep it at the 20 minutes uh, mm -hmm. around something like this. Um, thank you so much, Florian, for joining us today and sharing your insights. This was very good and very much appreciated. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for the great questions and discussion.
Well, and thanks everyone for joining us for yet another episode of Qbytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. Uh, watch our blog and follow our social media channels to hear all about the next episodes. Of course, subscribe to our YouTube to not miss any new episodes. And you can always watch the previous episodes on our YouTube as well as on the website with a full transcript, of course. Well, again, thank you. Take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.